Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Nine games unbeaten and back-to-back wins since Brisbane Ross in third place as they collected another win at their second home, otherwise known as Central Coast Stadium. Welcome to the Yuning Jang edition of the Brisbane Football Review as we hit episode 12, which are double the appearances the Chinese Beckham made for the club. We're coming to you from the Switch 1197 studios and a part of the Outside 90 Fan Network. I'm James Coglin here to host, and we're again here on a Tuesday to record the show, thanks to my work schedule. And joined by two guys who are recovering from a busy Sunday afternoon, keeping across all the Raw action, Scott Owen and Adam Pace. With the results from Super Raw Sunday, is two out of three wins a good weekend for the club, Scott? I'll take two out of three. It's not too bad. Yeah? Two out of three, yeah. We'll take it. And you caught your breath after Sunday? Just. Adam, how about you? Yeah, I look, uh, you can't complain. We're winning. That's the main thing. Yeah, it was a two ri- of the three competitions we're winning anyway. Oh, well, two out of three is better than how some clubs are going, I'm sure. Yeah. All right, let's get started with segment one in the A-League review. Brisbane met Central Coast for the 42nd time, which is the league's most enduring fixture, and would leave Gosford with all three points for the 14th time in their history with a 2-1 win. It was a brilliant free kick and not-so-brilliant celebration from Dimi Petrados that opened the scoring before the hosts were able to find a deserved equaliser from Roy O'Donovan in the second half. However, another sublime performance from Thomas Broich would see the Raw score with 14 minutes to go when he teed up a precise cross for Jamie McLaren to head home the winning goal and make it four goals from four games. So... Overall, Adam, we've got to be pretty happy with that, right? Look, we uh, win the games we're expecting to win. We, we would have been confident to go down to Gosford and, and take all three points. We've done just that, and we're sitting well on third and ladder going to Christmas time. It was a pretty tough overall fixture, I thought. Scott, what did you make? Yeah, I thought it was a pretty competitive game. I mean, the Mariners, we've talked about it previously, they're a far better proposition this year than they have been in the past. And I thought the Raw controlled the game reasonably well. It wasn't their best performance. I mean, it was a... A little bit down on the points from Adelaide last week, but I still thought they played well and they got the points. That's really all that matters at this point. And they didn't quite put together 90 minutes overall, but I feel like with the way they played and probably being thrown by the special one-off lifeguard strips that the Mariners were wearing, they can be pretty happy overall with that. Now, man of the match for me, Thomas Broich, even though he only played the final 30 minutes, but what a 30 minutes it was. Look, he, he was different. Like, when he came on, there was a sort of noticeable lift by from, from the... Uh, Raw and look at the end of the day, you know, he was the one that teed up the pass for Jamie McLaren, which I guess, you know, anyone probably should have scored. That's how good it was. And it was a header for Jamie McLaren to score as well. Yeah, I'm just looking at the runs here as well. It says, Is Thomas Broach really the best A League foreigner ever? I'm wondering, is that a serious question or what? I mean, that. I didn't write it. That's a joke, right? <laughs> that's a joke, right? Come on, he's clearly hey, the best. I mean, hey, like, it's a discussion point. He, if you look at it, he's been clearly the best foreigner over the course of the A League. But to your point, James, he was fantastic on Sunday. I thought he had a massive impact off the bench. And, the f- control of that, when he controlled that first time to put the cross in, was sensational. And I remember talking in our first debut preview epi- episode, we were talking about how Broich is probably going to have a few more of those come off the bench in the final half hour and try and turn the game for the Raw, and that was exactly what he did here. Yeah, we, um, yeah. I mean, it was still a couple of times to come off the bench now to have massive impact. So if he's able to add that to his game to come off the bench and make a big contribution, it's, it's an extra weapon that John Aloisi can use at different times, on, or, on start or on the bench. 
Yep. Now the Mariners equaliser was a great pass that split the centre backs for me. Did you see it that same way? Look, I thought it was a deserved um, sort of goal for the Mariners. Like, look, we we sort of you know give them a lot of, sort of stick as far as you know the complete article, but you know they they seem to have signs of brilliance you know from time to time, and that was actually just a, a pure example. And that was a it was a great pass through, and uh, Roy had over no mistakes. So look, credit where it was due for him at that time. Yeah, that's why I want to focus on the pass from Fabio Ferreira. That was an inch perfect pass right between the two. I mean, that's it's slightly off there. It's cleared, and that's it was a really good play from from Ferreira to set it up there for the Mariners. And with the way the two centre-backs for the Raw have been playing lately, that's the sort of pass you're going to need to play to beat them. And, yeah, credit to Ferreira. He did a really, really good job on that. Yeah, no, I think it's important that, you know, look, the, the scoreline and sort of the table position suggests that you know, the Mariners are sort of a bit off the ball. and they're, they're probably not going to sort of challenge for anything, you know, unless they go on a sort of a massive unexpected run. But, you know, they said they are showing signs that, you know, now and then they can really trouble the best. And, like I said, as good as... Um, as the Veer and North are going, it shows that you know that if they even switch off for a second, that they can be susceptible. And I feel like they've got a young team, and we were talking about this last week. I was always worried about what Paul Ocon can do to that team mentally. Is he can at least have them believing that okay, we're not the best side in the A League, but we can go and put a scare through any team on any given match. I think that's the biggest thing he's had to change is the mentality of that playing group. I mean, I know Adam was critical of some of the messages publicly he was talking about, but if that if those pub, that public support when they were getting beaten convincingly boosted the morale of the playing group it was all for the better because he, he didn't say that they were dominating again did they no that was earlier <laughs> in the season but look at guys like Connor Payne Scott Galloway have come from elsewhere struggling to get game time at bigger club Melbourne victory I mean they're playing very well for the Mariners I mean they're slotting in and they're rejuvenated their careers as well and they are coming from winning setups and maybe these guys can try and instill a little bit of what they were going through at Melbourne victory winning titles yeah no, no I think with the Mariners as well you got they would be a team that you wouldn't want to see into the last sort of month or so of the fixture list because I think they they could be you know, a spoiler for some of these um, sides you know, trying to get into the back end of the final series. So Yeah, I don't want to give people alarms bells, but I think the Raw play them in round twenty seven at home. So to Adam's point, that might could get very interesting. Well hopefully they don't the Raw don't need anything out of that game. But just looking at the Mariner setup, Roy O'Donovan, they were talking about this in the commentary on the game. You know, he, one thing that's really been lacking for him is the service and the composure to not headbutt an opposing player. <laughs> but, you know, it does make me wonder, if Roy O'Donovan was to be playing for the Raw, would his stats look a lot better considering the service that the Raw can give compared to what he gets at the Mariners? Uh, it's, a, it's a tough one because at the end of the day, look, he, he's your typical out-and-out striker. I guess, you know, anywhere you go, you know, if, if the... If the service is being starved, you're not going to go anywhere. So look, he he's shown that you know when he gets the service, he can put it away. And, you know, he do, and doesn't you know he hasn't blown too many chances. I know a couple that he has, but um, I say I guess all strikers do that. But you know, look, it, it's hard to say. But you, you'd say more yes than no that he would be more prolific if he played for a sort of a, a contending club. Also, I think it was I think Roy Donovan was actually linked to Brisbane back in the Mike Mulvey days as well. I might be wrong on that. Well, the Raw so could it may be, have happened, you never know. And the Raw could be on the lookout for a new striker in the next month or seven months, so you never know. All right, so let's talk about the Raw, that, since this is the Brisbane Football <laughs> Review. <laughs> it's a bit heavy on the Mariners, actually. Yeah, well. Um, yeah, I, they've got a really good record down in Gosford. What is it, 14 wins in 21 games. Is, is it just something that's been instilled in the Raw from day one or just a good run of luck? It's a home away from home on the Brisbane water down there, James. That's what it is. No, I mean, they've lost two games down there and they're both in the same season. The transitional year between the three championships. So, I mean, they've had a tremendous record down there against Central Coast. It's not like the Mariners have always been a low-ranking side. This is when the Mariners have been 
near the top. I mean, they've played three sets of finals games down there against the Mariners. So they've, I think they've won all three of them. So that shows you the sort of record the Raw have had down there. It's sensational. Those two years, if I remember correctly, that's also was Mariners championship years. So it was the Mariners championship actually, year, yeah. It actually goes to show that you know, any other year, um, yeah, the Raw have been dominant. It's one of those things where it's just one of those statistical you know, anomalies that seem to sort of develop in football. But for whatever it is, let's hope it keeps going. It keeps going. Yeah, it's a stat I don't mind repeating ad nauseum every time the Raw play the Mariners in Gosford. So the Raw started off with Borello, Petrados and Oris, their attacking trio behind Jamie McLaren. I'm kind of starting to wonder if Demi Petrados is actually the best guy to fill that number 10 role. What do you make of that? He could well be, actually, because I think last year when he was in there, he made a big impact. And this game again, it was a big impact again. I mean, the free kick was sensational. But I think with, with Holman in there as well, I mean, you've got to... It's such an interesting decision because they're they're very similar players, I think. I, but I don't know what you think. Petrados has more cutting edge to his game than Holman. Holman's always looking to drop in and play a pass. Petrados has got that attack-minded running at defenders. I think it's such a difficult thing. I mean, you've got five players for three spots there, and I don't know who the best three is. That's the thing. I mean, you well six you technically to count Arana. Exactly, you've got Arana in as well. You got an unbelievable embarrassment of riches for John Aloisi. And I don't think he knows what his best trio is there at the moment. Well, hopefully he finds out before say March. Adam, what did you take? Oh, look, I think yeah, it's a, I guess a great selection hack to have for um, for General Wissy. It's yeah, look, I agree, I agree with Scott. I don't think anyone knows what the best that best three sort of you know that uh, that midfield line behind um, the striker goes. So I think you know it, it might be a horses for courses thing. You know, you know, especially if Broach are getting on a little bit. You know, maybe he sort of dropped in and out as as required. So look, it's it's a great problem to have. But just sort of sticking with that number ten role. I kind of feel like Petratus is a lot more mobile and able to get out wide and cause some problems out there. But maybe his passing and ball movement isn't as sharp as Brett Holman. So, you, like you were saying, it could be a horse for courses thing. So against, say, a packed defence like Sydney FC, you might see Brett Holman in there. Well, you won't because he's injured, but yeah. Well, OK, when they're all healthy. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when they're all healthy, yeah, you, you see Brett Holman in there trying to pick, a, pick the pass and then Petratus off the bench to provide that running and then vice versa against a team like the Mariners where you do need a little bit more pace there. And the thing is, with the Champions League potentially coming up in the next year, there's going to be so many more games you're going to find plenty of opportunities for all of them to show what they can do. So there's going to be plenty of opportunity. Now, we talked about the Champions League last week. Don't, I don't remember us recording last week, but we did it apparently. <laughs> we cobbled something together. Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably not a good sign considering I edited that show. <laughs> but... One, one last little thing I noticed. So, Jamie McLaren came off at the end, and Manuel Arana was the guy that was playing up top in the end. So, do you think he could be the best backup option for McLaren right now? No. I think there's better in the youth team. I think that was just purely we're shutting up shop, bring Jacob Pepper on to show up the midfield and put Arana up front with his pace to try and run him behind. I think that's all it was. So, it's kind of like what you do in FIFA where you put the quick guy up top and <laughs> yeah. play on the counter-attack? All right, so I think that's going to do it for the first segment of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this to do the news and the rest of the A-League results. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com.
And welcome back to segment two of the Brisbane Football Review podcast from the Switch 1197 Studios as part of the Outside 90 Fan Network. Time to take a look at the goings-on over the past week, and we'll start with round 11 of the A-League. We really should get some audio clips or something to play in here. Because I'd love to hear Simon Hill's voice. You're the producer here, James. That's on you. I can't multitask. Everyone knows that. I have to learn how to use the program a bit more. We'll need a Dutch technical director who keeps this up. <laughs> yes, okay. I don't even know if that was Dutch. Anyway, Newcastle Jets played Adelaide United in the Friday night fixture, which they seem to be hamming up as the first goal in A-League history, like the rematch of. I think we call that a stretch, if you're looking yeah, for promotion. Well, yeah, let's see. You're back in 2005, where it was. So. Anyway, yeah. late, late win for the Jets. How did they get three chances in stoppage time? I, to be honest, it's all my, like, I don't mean to be facetious, but gee, so I, I know, I know Adelaide were trying to go for the win themselves, but to give Newcastle three goes at it, and like, the two chances were clear cut, and you're thinking, oh, they've bombed it, and to, to give them a third chance, you know, that's just, um, I don't know what's wrong with Adelaide, to be honest. I think that's just about the end of Adelaide's title defence, based on, because I mean, that's a crushing way to lose a game. But did you know they had a massive turnaround last season and went on to win it all? Yeah, but they were, th- <laughs> they were on a three-game winning streak at this point. Okay, so they won't win the Premier's plate, but they might still make finals. Well, it's this mathematically, it's still very possible. If you, haven't he- if you haven't heard, Adelaide United were in last place after eight rounds last season and then had a massive comeback. I've never heard this before. Where did you get this from? I think it was Fox Sports. <laughs> anyway, so, well... Does Guillermo try and do a squad clean out ahead of the Asian Champions League or stick with the guys that he's got? Uh, you know, it, 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 you'd think that they would now turn their attention to Champions League, as, which has been the, sort of the Adelaide tradition, that normally when they go absolutely horrible in the league they, and they've got Champions League sort of in the, in sort of in the future, they normally actually go quite right. So I think they need uh, a lot of help and a lot of help quickly, I think. Just the guys that are just not doing it. This is more a question for the Adelaide front office, I think, because Guillaume Moore is out of contract at the end of the year as well. And he's been linked to Mel- Manchester City, not Melbourne City. So they might want a clean house, but they got such a good young squad there that I wouldn't do too much. I'd give guys like McGree and the rest of them opportunities in the Champions League to see what they can do, and you might accelerate their growth into being a competitive team next year, because I don't think they're going to do much in the A-League from here. And they have already had quite a bit of turnover already, considering the number of players that left after that grand final win, so how much change is too much? I, I think, think they had too much, actually. That's probably well, the point. Yeah, probably about two less than what they've already had. All right, so on to the Saturday games. Wellington Phoenix, 2-2 against Western Sydney Wanderers. The Phoenix tra- uh, were trailing 2-0, but managed to turn it around. So Wanderers choke or Western... Uh, not Western Sydney comeback. Wellington comeback. That's too many Ws. <laughs> look, I, I thought um, where Wellington, I think they... Well, look, they were lucky. They, they could have been 3-0 down if, uh, if Demas had slowed that penalty before before so the comeback came, but it's, it's hard to put your finger on what's going on. I think, look, Wellington, when they're not at Westpac, they're actually a very, very formidable team. And uh, like I said, it actually shows that, you know, just, it looks like they've moved on from Ernie Merrick, and they, they seem to really be playing for Chris, a- Chris Greenacre and uh, Des Buckingham at the moment. Yeah, that's the point I was going to make. They look a much better prospect, I think, without Ernie Merrick in coaching. I mean, I, was, I don't know if it's just a typical coach reaction or what, but I just I thought they were pretty good on Saturday afternoon. I think the penalty was at 2-1, the DMS Smith wasn't it? They just equalised. They just scored for one back, didn't they? Yeah, I think. It was three days ago. That's too far yeah, back it's to too remember. Long ago, but I, they did fight tremendously well well in the second half. And I think we changed Smelter's sign for them. I mean, that might make a bit of a difference. So Yes, you just beat me to it. Shane Smelter's sign for Wellington yesterday. Now, Saturday. Saw the first half of this before I went out and saw Rogue One for a second time. By the way, that is awesome. Um, Melbourne Derby. Is it the best one going around? It was 2-1 to the victory. 
Uh, look, I think on the pitch, I, I think the the uh, Melbourne derby seems to be the, the pick of the two derbies. But I think you know, overall package, yeah, I'm, I'm more. I think the Sydney derby sort of there's more sort of you know, off the pitch rivalry. It's more, it's more geographical. It's more sort of even sociological. So look, but on on the pitch, I think Melbourne Vic, Melbourne derby has always sort of been the pick of the game. It's been and it was sort of the game that sort of you know kept the A League sort of you know in the in the spotlight. You know. To, in the last couple of years when there's sort of a bit of downtime. So. I really like watching it. Well, both derbies because it is big crowds. There's a lot of feeling. But, Scott, what did you take of it? I think that it's an interesting one because you look at the Melbourne derby, it's Melbourne victory who've dominated the marketplace for so long and then another team started up. And they were trying to do the exact same thing. There was no geographical divide. With the Sydney one, there is. So I think off the field, the Sydney one probably has more feeling in it because the West Sydney fans really own that. So, but on the field, it's a really interesting one. I like the Melbourne Derby on the field. I think there's been some tremendous games. And there was plenty of fire in this one. We're going to probably touch on that in our mailbag segment a little bit. But Tim Cahill scored the opening goal, as he Who? is want to do. Who scored? But the funniest part was, it seemed like he got injured in the celebration. Yeah, he. Uh, I think he clipped the photographer. It's, uh, he obviously drew blood, so... Uh, he, should, he probably should be watching where he's going, I think. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Scored the goal, waiting for him to celebrate, runs around through the Melbourne victory, subs and straight to the bench going, help, help, help. Marco Rojas got the equaliser. Is a little bit of shoddy defending from City there. And we've been saying all along that City defence is probably the most questionable part of their whole team. And they really looked like they were missing Mikel Jakobsen. I think they missed him big time as well. I mean, Ruan Tonic was kind of trying to lead that back line. I just, he's a young kid trying to earn his way through. I mean... I do think they struggled in the third goal. The second goal as well wasn't much better defending either, in truth. All right, so we've made it just over a quarter, quarter of an hour into this show, but we do have to bring up a refereeing controversy. Bessar Barisha with the winner. Was it offside? Adam? Uh, it was, but you know what? I thought it was so close enough to say, you know what, we, we want... We don't want you know, games punctuated by offside flags on it. So now I thought it was close enough you know, at first look to sort of say, you know, benefit of the doubt to strike to the um, attacking team. But at the end of the day, you know, when you put it on the replays, yeah, it was clearly offside. Benefit of the doubt, the attacking team for me. I'll just say congratulations to him for equaling the A-League goal-scoring record. 90 he goals now. Half of those goals were with Brisbane, so we should say congratulations to him. He's, he, or he was one of ours, and truthfully, I still think there are a lot of Brisbane fans that would take him back if given the opportunity. There's one in this studio right now, actually. Well, two. <laughs> Three? Oh, look, I'd take, I'd take him back. <laughs> There you go. Well, it's unanimous. The Brisbane Football Review wholeheartedly endorses the pursuit of Bessart Barisha. (laughs) All right, so the late game Saturday, Perth Glory went up 1-0 and was looking pretty good. Then uh, Sydney scored the next four. Uh, I think Perth Glory is sort of... uh, They're a bit bit of a muddle, I think, at the moment. Um, Yeah, and look, then again, you know, it is is the league leaders. They, They seem to be flying and... They, they got on the score sheet, you know, the likes of Bobo, um, Brosk and uh, Holosko. So their front three are firing. When they're firing, they're, gonna be, they're very, very hard to sort of stop. So, look, I think Sydney are good, but I think Perth are in a lot of trouble. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see who's the first team that can really topple them. But um, Perth, they've got a few changes coming about. Scott, you, you're our resident news guy, so tell us about what's going on with Perth. Well, so Reese Williams has been in the news this week. I mean, apparently that he was close to almost leaving the club, but they've released a statement this week suggesting that he still has a year to go on his contract. He's a required player. This, of course, he didn't play at the weekend, obviously. He was dropped from the squad. I mean, so there's speculation that he might have been going to, say, Sydney FC or a move in Asia. So, but it seems like he's staying at the moment. So, But I think it's more a sign of his problems off the field for Perth. 
This is a team that was supposed to be amongst the very top contenders, and at the moment, they're underachieving. That's okay. I'm pretty sure there are a few players out there whose family spent a weekend in Perth on holidays that they can justify as signing local talent anyway. <laughs> All right, so Adam, you've gone above and beyond this week. You've actually put the full table in the run sheet. I, I'm nervous about my efforts for next week. <laughs> as we said, Sydney FC are on top, 27 points. Melbourne victory and Brisbane are tied on 20, but the victory do have a game in hand after the Wellington earthquake postponement. And Victory have a plus seven goal dif- better goal difference in the Raw. We've got Melbourne City on 18. Newcastle and Perth are on 12, with Newcastle holding the tiebreaker. And Western Sydney are on 12 as well, but who cares about them? We've got Wellington Phoenix on 10 points. And Central Coast Mariners, 9. And Adelaide United bringing up the rear on 6. So we've still got a fair way to go with this A-League season, but it feels like there's going to be a lot of competition for specific spots. Like, right now there's... Well, Sydney SC are on top, but that race for second place right now is looking really interesting. And in all honesty, I think one of the one of the two Melbourne teams or the Raw are going to make the race for the Premier's plate interesting. They are going to find a way to bring back Sydney FC. Well, it's going to have to happen soon if someone can bring back Sydney. I mean, they're seven points clear at the moment. They may very well be seven points clear on Christmas Day, depending on the outcome of the Raw game on Friday night. So it's going to have to, it's going to, have to come soon if there's going to be some, some gaining back on Sydney FC, particularly for teams who are in the Champions League like Brisbane Raw. I think, actually, if you go on form line right now, if that sort of holds for the next sort of month or so, I think the top four is decided. It's just in what, in what order. I think there's a clear gap between you know, fourth and fifth, and that, that's going to be a balance off for fifth and sixth spot. But uh, I think you, know, you can almost say that you know, those, the Sydney, the two Melbourne teams in Brisbane, that's your top four. Where they finish, that's going to be the question. All right, so we're going to move on to the W League, and we're going to go over this very quickly because it was not a good weekend for the Royal women's side. They were on the road and played their first game of the doubleheader at Central Coast Stadium on Sunday. It was their second meeting against Canberra United. Unfortunately, it was an afternoon to forget for the Raw women as they were thrashed 5-1 by a very rampant Canberra outfit. Doubles went to Nicoletta Flannery and Ashley Sykes and a penalty to Stephanie Ox, while Emily Gilnick scored a very late consolation goal for the Raw. But was it just a case of being outplayed by a better side on the day? I, I was really only watching bits and pieces of this because Adam was covering this game for our social media and I was covering the youth game. So all I saw of it was defensive errors. That was my big takeaway. I think for a lot of the game, the Royal kind of had a bit of possession in the game and it's just the defensive errors were not... Defensive errors were killing them in the game, to be honest. That's what I saw anyway. Well, I, I thought sort of the luck has sort of run out as far as you know, the defence. That, that was always going to be the questionable sort of part of the Royal women's team. They, look, offensively, they're a very, very good team, a very talented side, but defensively... I think Canberra have really sort of exposed some weaknesses, and and it's it's funny to say because you know you got an international, you know, a Matilda international like uh, Claire Polkinghorne back there, but and and you know Angie Beard, who's probably one of the you know up and coming defensive prospects, but they, um, yeah, Canberra would just just tore them apart, especially sort of in the period after half time. So, and I think that Canberra as well, and I think that they've got they've just added Lisa Devanna to their side. They are really hot. So because they, they haven't got enough goals in their team already. Clearly. Yeah. So so look, it may be a case of we look back in hindsight that you know Canberra are just that far better at the moment that you know maybe five one may be a good result, but at the moment I think looking within the raw itself, problems in defence. I think. That's what I was going to make about Lisa Devanna adding to an already strong attacking force with obviously Michelle Heyman as well, who's up front. So they've already talked about Claire Bolkinghorn and Matilda Defender. They've got the Matilda starting number nine in their attack. So, And that result was good enough to spring Canberra to the top of the W League table. Crisis at Melbourne City, James. Crisis at Melbourne City. That's right. They lost their second game in a row. They I was did. about to say Melbourne City dropped all the way down to third place. 
after a 2-1 loss to the Western Sydney Wanderers. So what's going on with that side? Oh, look, it might be, it might be the same case as Brisbane, I think. I think they've already been found out. We knew, we knew they weren't as good as the squad that won last season, but they were still a very formidable squad. So I think, I think they've been found out. So um, Western West Sydney, who I know we've beaten um, fairly comfortably. So, uh, so it's a case of you know, maybe it's a change of the guard in, in the women's at the moment. I wouldn't pay it too much if I was a Melbourne City fan, though. I still think they'll be right there and thereabouts in the big games in the W League this season. And the other results from the W League this weekend, Newcastle and Melbourne victory played out a 1-1 draw. Perth beat Adelaide 4-1, and that'll do it for the W League. One interesting thing I saw this afternoon, actually, was how uh, the Canberra United side, so they were playing a quote-unquote home game in Gosford, and their changing room was a tent outside, so... It, it does show there's still a way to go for these teams to be given a level playing field, but yeah, that's yeah, that's it's an interesting one. I know there's been a lot of um, criticism, and that you know, and I almost like to use the word hyperventilating to a point. It's it's not it's not a good look. Certainly not when you know they're trying to get this, you know the big stage and you know get the women you know as much exposure as possible. So, but I think you know I think blame where it's due, and I think that that lays at the feet of Central Coast Stadium for starters, and perhaps the FFA for endorsing that. And you know, but I think in the day, yeah, it's it, it's a bit. I think I think the the image of that is being used for a lot more so that, than what it really is. So, yeah, to, uh, quickly to Adam's point about the stadium, I think it's that's the problem. I think they've only got two change rooms at the moment, and they were obviously allocated to the A League sites. So I think they're trying to upgrade that at the moment. So that would obviously be very important for there going to be future W League games there in a doubleheader sense. You need more dressing rooms. And uh, and I suppose as we've talked about in the past, it's more the optics about it than anything else, where it just doesn't look good that the women's league is getting relegated to, you know, having to change out yeah. the back without without sort of making too far a point with sort of name names. I did see that you know there is a certain sort of entity at the moment has gone around basically trying to further their own cause by using that. And it's just it's became beyond the joke. I think it is what it is. Um, like I said, I don't, I don't think Central Coast you know, stay mean to demean the women like that. I think it's just one of those unfortunate logistical yeah. things. And, yeah, I think that's it. I think there, are a, there is a bit of a campaign out there at the moment where it seems like they're trying to use that as an excuse to further their agenda, and it's not, it's not right. It just play for what it is. Anyway, so let's move on. The Women's League are playing Sydney FC Friday night uh, at Lambert Park, so I'm guessing that's down in Sydney. That's down in Sydney, yep. All right, now we're going to move on to the National Youth League because that yielded slightly better results for the Royal Football Club. Well, they didn't get hammered 5-1. So, in the middle of two matches in Gosford. So, guys, great multitasking Sunday, by the way. Thank you, James. We'll have to get you involved in this one game as well. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so kicking off in the middle of the two matches in Gosford, the Young Raw took on Melbourne Victory in a vital Conference A fixture at Lakeside Stadium in Melbourne. The visitors hit the front through Nicholas Panetta before the hosts equalised in the first half through Joshua Hope. However, Connor O'Toole would be an unlikely scorer with three minutes left to keep them undefeated and, more importantly, go top of Conference A... Making the, post, making the postponed game against City an important fixture to be replayed. So, Scott, you were covering this game. Quick summary of it. Yeah, look, first, there's a bit of confusion again with the first goal score. I mean, this is twice now Nicolas Panetta's kind of been robbed because the victory tweeted out it was Nick Diagostino. So, again, but it, it's good to see Panetta scoring. I mean, he's improving. I want to focus on Conor O'Toole, though. This is a really important sign for him because I was following the tweets that victory was sending out and it sounded like he was getting fought a lot. If you think back a couple of years ago when Corey Brown was in this youth side, he was a really bombing on as a winger. And if Conor O'Toole is starting to replicate that, I think that's a really good sign for him. And I wouldn't be surprised if Conor O'Toole gets a run in the first team at some point, especially with Corey Brown sitting on four yellow cards. 
And if he keeps this sort of form up, it makes it even more likely he's going to get the nod ahead of someone else playing out of position. Now, that rescheduled fixture we mentioned, they announced last night the uh, replay date, and it's this Thursday, isn't it? It's this Thursday at 7pm up at AJ Kelly Park in Redcliffe. So if you can get there, get down there, because the youth side do play some good football. And that's also, uh, next match is against Melbourne City as well? Yeah, so there's two games back-to-back. This, this weekend is supposed to be like a, a bye week for everyone over the Christmas period, but because the Raw's home game is washed out, they're taking the opportunity here to catch it up. So there's Raw have got two games now back-to-back against Melbourne City, and based on the table, which you'll get to in a minute, James, this is a, they're incredibly important games. They could, they could almost secure the conference if they pick up the maximum points here. Well, fingers crossed they do that. So the other Conference A result was Adelaide United beating Melbourne City 2-1. Perth Glory were on a bye, so they had another weekend at home. <laughs> <laughs> Conference B, Central Coast Mariners 4, FFA Centre of Excellence 2, and the Newcastle Jets beat Western Sydney 2-0 with Sydney FC on a bye. So at the table, the Raw are on 10 points, Melbourne City are on 9, and they've both played 4 games. Adelaide United are on 9 points with 5 games played. Perth Glory are on 3 with 4 games played. And Melbourne Victory on 5 points with 1 point played. And just before you jump into Conference B, James, I mean, there was a big result in the other game this weekend. I mean, Adelaide United's result against Melbourne, Melbourne City, that... That was huge for the Raw, for them to drop points away. That opened up the chance for the Raw to go top of the table. Yep, so good on them. And just uh, if we're going to talk about youth, just quickly in, in the uh, Conference B game, the uh, Newcastle Jets versus Wanderers game, there were a heap of A-League players that actually played in that game. I know basically the, the Newcastle back line, while Lachlan Jackson was uh, in, in action, so he's come back from injury. And that, that was actually a, a high-quality game from all reports. So that, that, like to be a team they could be, yeah. Awesome. All right, so Conference B, Newcastle Jets are on top with 10 points from five games. Western Sydney, seven points from five games. Sydney FC, seven points from four games. Central Coast, six points from five games. And FFA, three points from five games. Now, we're going to call an audible again and take a quick break now because it's getting very hot in this studio. (laughs) A bit of heated discussion, I guess. We're going to come back and broadcast some pretty big news about the FFA and the A-League next season. So this is the Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back to segment three of the Brisbane Football Review here at the Switch 1197 Studios. Thank you, Scott, for turning the air conditioning off. <laughs> if you've ever heard the buzzing in the background of our recordings, it's just the air conditioning, which we can't actually have on while we're talking, because otherwise it's just too loud and you'll drown out our wonderful voices. I know one of our listeners actually pointed that out in a comment uh, a few weeks ago, saying that we have, must have a large industrial fan in here. So Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I don't think we can officially turn it off fully either, given it kind of keeps all the equipment cool, so... We apologise if it's too loud. But otherwise we're going to be sweaty messes and the other electrical equipment might be fiery messes. So <laughs> probably better. Anyway, so we're going to get into the news and reviews and our mailbag segment. And it's a jam-packed lot to get through, so let's get right into it. Fox Sports Australia and the FFA today announced a massive broadcast deal for the A-League. It's for six years and reportedly at just under $58 million a season for a net total of 346 
Thank you, Adam, for doing the maths on that. It's not the total broadcast deal starting next season. It doesn't include a potential Saturday night free-to-air slot, as well as international broadcast rights, with particular interest from the UK, as well as be in MENA. The, uh, that's Middle East, Northern Africa. Thank you. Uh, Fox Sports remain the rights holders for the Socceroos, Matildas, W League, FFA Cup and ACL. So that's Socceroos first round qualifying, by the way. So the um, second round and the AFC Champions League and the Asian Cup, they're all done by AFC themselves. So that's a different package altogether. But I do believe Fox Sports is in the running for that. So it's, fr- it's basically friendlies in the first round, but yep. Yep. So the increased TV revenue means there's going to be an increased salary cap, which could be as high as $3.4 million per team over the existing 2.6 right now. So overall, are we happy with this? Uh, look, if you if you believe, you know, sort of the, the sort of immediate uh, comment, I think people are still saying that is, is six years too long. Um, I think the commercial reality is, is that, you know, it's not, the broadcast deal is not something you want to be, you know, renegotiating, you know, sort of every sort of, you know, one or two years. Because like I said, these things take, you know, two or three years to, you know, to put together. So, look, I, I know the people seem to be happy with four years, $200 million, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's stability. Fox Sports can, you know, actually may even think about investing you know, into the A-League a lot more than what they have. Yeah, I think it gives security, and for the A-League at the moment, that's really what's important. I mean, you've got... There's obviously a sixth game coming in 2018-19, and by the end of this, there'll probably be a seventh game. So I think it's important to have that security locked in with a, a, a pay subscription television network. I mean, they've got it on the TV. They've got their online and demand as well and mm. all the rest of it. So it's, it's, a good, it's a good deal, but I think the real important one here is the free-to-wear element of it which is supposed to be coming in the first half of next year, James. I mean, yeah. so we, we wait to see who's going to pick up that, that Saturday night game because it is the marquee game and it should be getting some important interest. And look, I did see a lot of negative comments about how, you know, it's maybe a little bit exclusive having the broadcast only on Fox Sports, but... Every th- sport does it. They all have it on, mostly on free to on and TV. Al- and also, at the end of the day, Fox Sports are the ones that are willing to put up the money to keep this competition afloat. So, what's wrong with that? Well, that's what I think a lot of people have been criticised and seem to forget, is that, you know what, without Fox Sports, there is no A-League. You know, whether, whether we want to be ungrateful now, season 12, and take it for granted, uh, Fox Sports are the one that put, put the money in, you know, in season one, when you know, no one sort of gave it a chance. So, I, I think at the end of the day, they, they have uh, invested and look good on them to you know, at least support the game after the backlash of losing the English Premier League rights. Um, at least they, they're doing something for the game. I'd just say, given the problems with the Optus Sport coverage of the Premier League, I mean, that was probably the alternative. So I think Fox is a very good option for the A League. And the reports I read about Optus, now these were just media reports, not from Optus themselves, they actually were saying, we can't monetize this broadcast if we. I think they were saying that um, it's, they can't make it work financially because they got the broadcast costs. Yeah, which so makes sense. All they do with the Premier League feed is just tap into it, so they don't do any over the top work. So yeah, I say thank God for that because I think most people say that you know what what they've done to the Premier League, you know, as far as viewership in Australia goes, it's sort of set it back. And to to have the A League fight same path would be an absolute disaster for the FFA. So no, thank thankfully you know Fox Sports do it. You know, having that that free to air game is going to be important. But yeah, I think it's you know good signs going forward. One last quick point, James. I know that the way these broadcast deals are going is changing with more online content, but still in Australia at the moment, you need TV coverage. Even if it's pay TV, you need it. And look, not to turn this into a huge Fox Sports versus Optus debate, but I honestly think Fox Sports this year, they've taken their A-League broadcasting to another level, maybe because they're not splitting their focus between getting a Premier League production ready on the same night as a huge A-League broadcast. Yeah, no, I think that's that's quite noticeable as well, that, you know, that... That with Fox Sports focusing entirely on the A League, you know, you're getting better content, you're getting better analysis, 
you know, from, from that to a point. Um, so, well, it might not always be right, but yeah, it's, at, exactly, least, it's but, at least better. It, but there is at least content where, you know, on Saturday night, normally they're cutting away without the, to, for a Premier League game, which is not the worst thing in the world back then, but having them focus on the A-League now, I think can only be good. You know, and, and look, people can look be short-sighted and you know, have their grievances against Fox Sports, but you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's probably the best choice in the end. And just to point out one thing in defence of Optus, everything that's streamed is on a delay. It's not, you know, the Optus does every, picking does everything on... everything cut out 10 seconds into the, to the, to the starting, though? Well, the NFL Game Pass does sometimes, but... <laughs> That's a, that's a debate for another day. I just That's one thing that really does get at me is that it's not live debate. And you go, well, welcome to online streaming. Everything's a little bit behind. So maybe stay off Twitter for a is little bit. Is NFL Game Pass pixelated, though? Uh, and it's a whole when my fiance anyway. is on her iPad at the same time, yes. <laughs> I've got to get those shots in before she gets in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there is still a free-to-air element to talk about here. What are we kind of thinking? I feel like it has to be on one of the main channels of 7, 9 or 10 here. Yeah, look, uh, at the end of the day, and why I guess the FFA have delayed this is that it all hinges to, not not to promote another sport, but uh, all big bash, the big bash is the one at the moment. That's the prize for summer at the moment as far as television rights go. And I, I think whoever wins that, I think it may be the alternative to the other. But the reports apparently Channel 9 aren't so keen on the A-League if they if they're left holding the bag. On it, you know, maybe it's for advertising revenue reasons or, or whatever. But yeah, look, it's that that's good battle for another day. I think between to the major uh, broadcasters. I think Nine's statement earlier in the week or whenever it was is more negotiations. I think obviously Adam's point, Big Bash is the price, and Nine and Ten are going for that at the moment. Seven have their tennis obviously, so they don't need it. But if 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 Nine get the Big Bash off Ten, I think Channel Ten would be incredibly interested in the A League, and that might be the best case scenario for the FFA to have a broadcaster solely committed to them. Just, just on that point as well. Just uh, remember as well that uh, Foxtel does own a part of Channel Ten, so that that's a likely scenario. That that is all contingent on whether Ten holds on to uh, the Big Bash broadcast beyond this year. Yeah, well, that's going to be interesting to pay attention to because that's supposed to be up in early next year as well. So I reckon that'll go first, and then the FFA will make a. But the big bash, like that's only what three a three week competition over summer, where you've got the A League, which is six plus months. I think it's more viewership and advertisers that want to advertise in that time and all the rest of it. Well, of course, if we had big bash soccer, like Sam Mack and Jules suggested at one point, you know, I'm sure that would have much higher viewer ratings if it was all you know the six aside games condensed into twenty minutes or whatever. But you know, you've got a much longer product here. And that, that's why I don't, I don't sort of yeah, entertain this whole sort of debate versus Big Bash ratings versus, you know, the A-League ratings because for that very reason. Now, Big Bash, it is what it is. It's, you know, it, it's great for, what, for cricket and whatnot. And, but you just, can't, you just can't compare. It's apples and oranges as far as, you know, trying to even compare the dollars spent because it's just two different animals, really. Let's compare the Sheffield Shield ratings to the A-League if you are <laughs> going to go for domestic competition to domestic competition. Yeah, well, that's fair enough. All right, so uh, expansion update, because we haven't talked enough about that already, but there is a bit of new de- uh, developments to come out. Apparently, there's a potential Sunshine Coast bid led by Indian entrepreneur Nirav Trip- Tripathi. I, had to, uh, I don't talk two guys. <laughs> yeah. I, I really got to read this before. Meddling Constantopoulos when you tried to say that. Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he was saying that they're going to play out of Sunshine Coast Stadium at Kiwana Waters. It's going to be redeveloped to hold about 10,000. Now, personally, I'm a big favour of... I'm a big fan of this broadcast, but that's just because I've got family and a place to crash up on the Sunshine Coast every time there's a derby. Adam? Yeah, I was going to say, I was, I was hoping you'd actually declare your, uh, your hand on that. But, uh, 
But I'm nothing but honest. Yeah. Oh, look, you know, at the end of the day, what we want to see is, you know, bids from um, sort of obviously Queensland that wants to be a part of, you know, this you know, next expansion process, you know. And look, it's good to, good to see at least that, you know, there is you know, interest out there that it's not just the traditional sort of powers, you know, trying to sort of get a piece. There's actually new sort of investment in a way. See, the only thing that kind of makes me a little bit nervous about the Sunshine Coast is the fact that it is very fragmented. You've got Caloundra and then there's a bit of a gap all up to Malulabar and Maroochydore and then up again towards Noosa. I do wonder how that region might be able to support a team. That was exactly the question I was about to ask you, along with another one which you might be interested. How far is the train away from the stadium? Is it Kiwana, the stadium? I haven't actually seen a train up around there. Yeah, see, this is the thing. I mean, getting there from Brisbane, if you're not driving, is going to be difficult. I mean, the thing about the Gold Coast derby, you could get on the train in the city and down the coast in an hour and a half and you're right at the door. Oh, this, if this is a Kiwana, you need to be able to get there. And that's the thing. I'm trying to think where you could park around there. Like, you've got the school nearby, which you could use the oval for parking. But, yeah, the, it's not necessarily the most accessible of places, I suppose. Look, maybe look, maybe one day. I, I think I read somewhere that, you know, there is a master plan sort of, you know, in government planning as far as actually getting a train line up to sort of, you know, through through the, sort of the uh, Sunshine Coast Corridor, but that, that could be, you know, 20, 30 years away. So, look, it, it's all well and good now. I, I've, I've got a feeling that the closest train train station, I think, would be Nambour. So that's a, it's a long hike. So, look, look transport's not be-all end-all, but it, it also helps a lot. But, and, but I suppose the proposed development for the stadium would only be 10,000, so that would also make it very interesting because, like, it's not going to be that hard to sell it out, I think. I think they're doing that development anyway as well. I think that's happening... And you are going to be the, the first. Year anyway, so. And you are going to be the first professional franchise on the Sunshine Coast. I know. Male professional, anyway. Oh, yeah. yeah, and but you've got the netball going in there as well. True, so. but you do also have. I know the Melbourne Storm have their uh, youth NRL team based out of there or something. So, it's it's an interesting prospect. I'm not against it, and could I'm be. more for the Western Corridor bit. I think that's a far more it, far simpler way to yeah to get it to work. I'm just saying, Sunshine Coast not. It's not one of those bids you just look at and laugh at. Because it does seem fairly practical to me. It might not be the best option in Queensland, but... So you're saying it's not the Brisbane Strikers bid then? That's what you're saying? No, that's what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to keep moving. We've got the Asian Champions League roundup. Breaking news, I believe it was Thursday afternoon? Friday afternoon? I don't remember much of last week. Suncorp Stadium was confirmed as a venue for the Raw versus Global slash Tampine Rovers on uh, Tuesday the 31st of January. We might have to see if we can... Uh, do some sort of broadcast for that game. That's on you, producer James. Okay, I'll see if I can remember it. Just make it happen. <laughs> and get ready for the broadcast on Wednesday, the 1st of February, where we go, oh yeah, we said we were going to do a live show for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just calling it now. All right, so other news in brief. We're going to get through that very quickly. Graham Arnold re-signs with Sydney FC for two years. Well, with the way he's going, I suppose he's got to strike while the iron is hot. Makes sense. I think it also wards off as well. There's sort of some rumours of you know, Tasmania United, they may... Go for it. So at least it locks him up for Sydney FC for the next two years. I think Melbourne City were kind of interested as well. But, well, it's not like Melbourne. It's not like a Melbourne club would ever try and sign another coach away while he's under contract, would they? <laughs> All right, so A-League Summer of Football Marketing campaign. Now, I've noticed the uh, icy pole version in different sort of team colours. I don't get the icy pole thing, but... This it's is hot. You need something to cool off. Okay, well, we've seen this like every year there's been a summer football promotion. I think it kind of gets swamped by the Big Bash League be honest as well so yeah, yeah I, I think as well as also accusations that maybe the A-League ripped off by another name brand uh, Ice Blocks so uh, that, that is aligned with the Big Bash League so yeah I think it, look if it works and people know so that's the main thing 
All right, so uh, we're going to finish off with the Wellington Phoenix coaching search. We've got Ramon Tributex Taylor. Who am I? Oh, Chris, Chris Taylor. Taylor. Chris Taylor. Okay, there we go. Mark Rudan and other foreign coaches. Or would the interims be the ones to get the job permanently? I, this is a really interesting question because you've got um, three coaches here who are at the MPL level or basically, in case of Tributex at Auckland City, which is semi-professional as well. I reckon it's an interesting choice between the three. I mean, I like Ramon because of the fact that he has a clear style of play. I remember two years ago when the Raw were linked to him, I thought it was an ideal choice and before they went with Aloisi. I mean, I'm not saying Aloisi hasn't done a good job because he has, but I think Ramon's a good choice for this job. Yeah, no, I, I personally think that, um, that I reckon the interims may have, may have done enough. Obviously, that the Knicks somehow have turned it around since Ernie Merrick was um, so resigned. Uh, and look, at the end of the day, if, if, the, if the team is winning or performing well, you know, it may be a case of you know bringing in someone else. You know, so even even sort of you know down the road, it may be sort of yeah counterproductive. So, so yeah, James has kind of left the student moment to answer the door, so the lunatics are running the asylum. So <laughs> I'll ask you, Adam, if you could pick one expansion team in in the southeast Queensland area, which would you go with? Um, I go I go Western Corridor. That's me. I've been here the whole time. I swear. <laughs> no, you've already been outed. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, you guys are useless. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't start the mailbag without you, so. You guys are better at reading than I am. I think we've established that. Are you sure? <laughs> you heard me try and say a couple of names before. All right, so the question we were just asking was about best South East Queensland bid, was it? Yes. Yes, I did have to step out of the studio for a second. So uh, I honestly want to see the Gold Coast get another go. The more I've talked to people down there about it, I just feel like getting that derby going up, they've got a really good stadium down there. It just seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. I think if it is, it'll be, you know, I think Gold Coast City, I think, got eyes on that. So, look, it's, at the end of the day, I think, I think it'd be disappointing if Queensland actually don't get a expansion team. Maybe not in the next round, but, you know, I guess when we go out to 14 teams, I think that's a necessity almost. I know the TV networks have been asked. I think that South East Queensland is a lock to get one of the two. It's just which one it is. And apparently Tasmania has already sought out a meeting with Fox Sports to try and gauge what they need to do to get their support for one of the expansion bids. I think at the end of the day, I guess now that now the broadcast deal's in place, um, I think now it comes down to the FFA now have to release their expansion criteria, and I think that's going to be key to it all. I think, I think we're going to really find out which bids are re- for real and ones are just a pipe dream. All right, so we're going to move on to the questions in the mailbag right now. Did we get to Josh Mansfield? No, we haven't started the mailbag yet. Okay, I, still, good. I still weren't starting without you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we're going to get to Josh Mansfield. He had a two-part question. Is Jack King at the most underrated fullback in the A-League? Yes. Yes. I think he's been phenomenal, so yes. And he also asks if we think that players should ditch their clearly pre-prepared goal celebrations. Yes. If they're as bad as Petrados, yes. Oh. And just for the record, I also hate the Paul Pogba one where it looks like he's sneezing. Hay fever's really bad at this time of year, I know, but, you know, don't mock people with colds. If we can bring back the... The kayak celebration from Franich when he scored in 2010. We can bring that back. That'd be great. That was fun. All right, so we're going to move on to uh, Diane Farrell. She asks, can the Raw be the first team to topple Sydney FC in two weeks' time? Now, quick edit is, that is, of course, assuming Adelaide don't spring the upset on Boxing Day, which I think we can all agree is not very likely. Yeah, I, 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 that'll be long odds, Adelaide, you know, to, to knock off Sydney in their form at the moment. Brisbane did win down in Sydney last season as well. I think it was 4 Three or four nil, three so one. three one. So I think there's a good, there's a, a chance. And not just the raw did trouble them in the round. I think it was six or whatever it was. And so there's a chance I could do it. Not to spoil my prediction for the preview next week, but I am going to, in my ever positive nature, suggest that the raw might be that team. 
Look, I think um, the Raw are the team that got the goods to do it. I, I, I think you know they're definitely sort of showing. Look, at some point, Sydney's going to Sydney are going to you know, be found out, and 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 I think the Raw are the team that has, has the firepower to actually be able to do something. I did see something funny on uh, Outside Ninety today. Graham Arnold was saying they're seventy percent of the way to, of becoming Australia's Manchester United. This is after saying they could have been the Arsenal Invincibles. So. I think he just wants to be every English club Weren't they ever. supposed to be the Manchester United of Australia 10 years ago? I They're taking that, a long time we, to get there. I thought that was Adelaide when they tried to steal the Red Devils tagline. I think everyone's trying to be Manchester United at the moment. Why wouldn't you want to be, James? Because <laughs> I'd rather be a team that's uh, no. got a consistent history of finishing in the top four and doing well in the Champions League. I'd rather be the team league. who's won the most, thank you. <laughs> I'll just step back. Yeah. That's okay, we've got Since a desk. Everton fan hiding in the corner. <laughs> We do have a desk separating Scott and I in case any sort of out-and-out brawl breaks out. <laughs> All right, and finally, Raphael Berman has a statement and a question. So I'm going to sum it up. Sorry, Raphael, but Melbourne Derby was final straw, but Tim Cahill's been a bit of an idiot on and off the pitch, playing the victim, trying to start up fights. But we're talking about this. I feel like I remember him being a bit of an instigator, even going back to when he was with Everton. Am I crazy for remembering that? Look, I'm probably not the one to ask uh, about that. Like I said, I'm fairly loyal to Tim Cale being an Everton legend. So, But I, I do see Raphael's point that, you know, that everything that seems to be you know, going on, it seems to be that you know, Tim Cahill sort of says something or does something, but then tries to retreat and sort of, yeah, play victim, as, as put. So, look, I think there's a bit, there is a bit to that. I, I, like, and also, it's all the whole booing thing last week I just don't know what it's like I don't know what's happened to Tim Cahill where he has this almost I know he's our he's a legend he's one of our grass but there's almost that sense of entitlement almost that's coming out in his attitude so it's it's, it's certainly a fair point I, I kind of think it does show that Australian fans do actually care about their club almost more than they do the Socceroos now which I feel like is a great step for the A-League and I think it was Ben Kazip from um, Eon Sports Radio he actually said that as well you know Fans are becoming more and more engaged with their club. And if he didn't want Melbourne Victory fans to boo him, sign with Melbourne Victory. Exactly Actually, no, the they still, they still exactly probably the would have booed him. I was going to make. I mean, the, t- the people supporting their team, they're not so interested in where Tim Cahill plays if it's not their team. And it's, it's not Socceroos Tim Cahill. But yeah. as for him being an instigator and stuff, I remember when he played for Everton, he was always, you know, getting after Nemanja Vidic when he played Man United. And it was funny. Yeah, there were a few people in line with him that had to do that as well. Particularly one, Mr. Fellaini, for starters. <laughs> I don't want to talk about him, though. <laughs> All right, well, in that case, we'll move on. We're going to call it up for segment three of the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back with a preview of the Western Sydney game after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back. It's the Brisbane Football Review, powered by Outside90.com. And welcome back to the final segment of the Brisbane Football Review here in the Switch 1197 studios. That's the air conditioning going off again. It is really hot today, so bear with us. All right, so we're going to get into the preview of this weekend's Western Sydney Wanderers match. Scott, can you outline how can people get in touch with us? But before you do that, thank you to everyone that sent the mailbag questions in. I remembered to say that this time. Yeah, so our mailbag, you can get through us on social media, but you can listen to us on Switch 1197 and our, 
our um, podcast Pop- on iTunes and Audio Boom. We've got our social media, Facebook.com slash Brisbane Football Review. Twitter at Raw Review. We have our email at BrisbaneFootballReview at gmail.com. And James will be recording fan cams on Friday night on Northern Plaza. I will be the uncomfortable looking guy in the orange jersey with the microphone. As I say every week, I'll be the guy behind the camera even more uncomfortable. You'll be the one pulling faces. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, are you going on Friday night? I will be. Ooh, so yeah. you, get the full, you get the full compliment of the Brisbane yeah. Football Review then. Someone's doing an interview on Friday night. It won't be me. Me too. Me too. I can have a great fan game. You should do that. Anyway, move on. All right, so uh, the Roar taking on the Western Sydney Wanderers this weekend. It is at Suncorp Stadium, so it's going to be a very, very good game to get out to just before Christmas. Scott, you've got the overall records between the two teams. Okay, so they've played 17 times. Brisbane have won... Where is it? Brisbane have won six times. The Wanderers have won eight with three draws. And at Suncorp, there's been seven games. Brisbane have won four and the Wanderers have won three. Obviously, the grand final is one everyone remembers of those seven. How could you forget that? Mm-hmm. All right, so 2016-17 uh, against the Wanderers. They had round eight at Spotless Stadium. Wanderers won, Brisbane won, thanks to a Jamie McLaren penalty. What lessons can be learned from the last meeting, aside from please don't count on Michael Theo to make 10-plus saves again? <laughs> I just think we just do do what we did. I think, I think we're a better team than when we were down in, um, down in Western Sydney in round eight. So I, I think... Um, so I think even if we go too behind, I don't think we have much to fear because there is, seems to be something wrong with the Wanderers as far as they get in front and they just squander leads. And look, and that, and that may be something to exploit. You know, as, as little and simplistic as it might be, that there is always that, that psychological advantage. Yeah, biggest lesson, finish the, finish the game off. I mean, they were in Every, front in the game, they just didn't finish it off. Everybody do your job is pretty much the simple way to sum it up. Nice cliche. One game at a time. Yep, one game at a time, and uh, we're on to next week. Anyway, so any injury concerns to come out of Sunday? I don't remember anyone really struggling off the pitch for the Raw, so I suppose that's an encouraging sign. I, th- I think that even though it's a couple of days out from naming the teams, I think that will be pretty much unchanged. So Brett Holman's the only one that injured. All right, well, that's encouraging. Wanderers discussion, who are we worried about? I noticed Jumpai's getting involved a little bit more lately, so is he a guy that maybe the Raw might have to pay a little bit closer attention to? No, I think it's Mitch Nichols and Nico Martinez. They were the two who really boosted their attack on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, Saturday afternoon they played against well, Wellington. I thought they were the best too. But they've also got a new goalkeeper, James Vedran, in the other bit, just signed 18-month deal today. That's right. I saw the story on Outside 9, I think it was 21 minutes ago. So very fresh news here on the Brisbane Football Review. We're at least, we're at least learning to that when we see news now to actually check our phones in between segments. <laughs> yeah, look, um, I, I think actually with Wanderers, I think the, the pressure's actually on their back four. I think um, at some point there needs to be some stability and I think Aspro, Potomides and um, Border have been sort of centre-back pairing at the moment. They need to sort of find sort of a way because obviously um, with with this sort of, sort of dropping to goals, you know, when they're leading, that, that, that comes back to defensive pressure. And... Looking at it from a raw perspective, Jamie McLaren, he's the one who's going to probably take advantage of that. And he finally, finally got ahead of goal last weekend. Now, it was pretty hard to miss, although I'm sure I still would have found a way if it was me. But do you feel like his confidence is just growing a little bit more and more each week and he's getting a little bit more into the flow of the season? Yeah, you would have missed and I wouldn't have even made contact with it. But what's the question? (laughs) Jamie McLaren, do you feel like he's getting a little bit more confident and getting more settled as the season goes on? I think the goal a few weeks ago really helped him. I think it's four games in a row now he's scored. I think the fact he's on a run now, it's really benefiting him. And he has a great record against the Wanderers as well. So five five from five, that may be be on it, say. Well, it's like seven goals in five games or something he's got against Wanderers. So, yeah, he has got a good record. Mm, Well, hopefully you can add to that tally on uh, Friday night. So we're going to move on to... 
the round 12 fixtures. Now, the Raw are playing on the 23rd. Raw and Wanderers are playing on the 23rd. We have Saturday and Sunday off, so Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Then Boxing Day, it's a doubleheader. Newcastle Jets are playing the Wellington Phoenix. Adelaide United are playing Sydney FC. Tuesday, the 27th of December, so a public holiday again. Melbourne City versus Perth Glory. And then Melbourne Victory are playing the Central Coast Mariners on Wednesday. So... From around the league, what are we looking for this week, Scott? Uh, Melbourne City and Perth, two teams who were supposed to be top contenders this season, both need to bounce back. That's what I'll be looking for a good game. For me, it's going to be how much is Sydney FC going to win by? I was actually, um, I'm actually looking at the Newcastle Jets Wellington Phoenix game. I think two teams that are finding a bit of form at the moment, and Jets are sitting in fifth at the moment, so they're leading to the charge, you know, sort of the also Rams. And you know, a win for them could actually you know, sort of put them in the sort of class of their own behind the top four. Yeah, so that's going to be, it's going to be an interesting weekend to watch and you know, after everyone's recovered from dealing with their families over the weekend. What are you trying to say? I'm saying I've got to deal with my family <laughs> over the weekend. <laughs> All right, so now specifically with the Brisbane-Western Sydney game, Adam, we're going to start with you. What's your prediction? 1-0 Raw. Scott? 2-1 to the Raw, three points for Christmas. I'm going to say 3-0 Raw. They're going to actually pull away a little bit in the second half, and I'm feeling pretty confident about it. So I apologise in advance for jinxing the Raw (laughs) and making it one of those tough, nail-biting games. Well, actually, I will say one thing with the fan cams. That 4-0 against Adelaide was great, because the minute they went to uh, stoppage time, I was like, all right, I'm safe, I can get out of here. Whereas when it's tied or the Raw are down by one goal, I'm sitting there going, oh, please, I I can't leave. I know that these games are going to be decided in the final minute. So hopefully it's something that's over and done with pretty quickly. All right, so that's going to do it for this uh, special Tuesday edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Now, I believe next week we're going to be back on our regular Wednesday slot. Yes? I uh, think so. <laughs> is that here. my producer, James? I hope so. Okay, that's... Wednesday it is. I think that's what we discussed before we went to air. It's been a long recording session anyway. So, uh, Scott, Adam, thanks for coming today, and well done sharing a mic, by the way. Yes, it's been different, actually. Yeah, yeah weird, but, uh, you know, thanks, uh, Scott and uh, James. Good to see you again, James. All right. Everyone enjoy the football coming up this weekend and we hope that all of our listeners and those of you that aren't have an excellent Christmas break with all your family and friends and we'll be back next week on the Brisbane Football Review. Thanks for listening to the Brisbane Football Review powered by Outside90.com. Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today.